I was considering jeans today. I almost bought some jeans off of uh, other Heddles member, other Heddler Jack, who I'm not sure if you have interacted with him. He does our social media and like helps me out with some of the logistics on the shop. But he does vintage picking um, is like his main thing. And he's relocating all of his inventory right now. And I was talking about, oh, I was thinking about getting, you know, like a pair of uh, like maybe 80s, early 90s, 501s. And he's like, well, lucky you should ask because I have my entire inventory in my car right now. Like, do you want to step out to my car and see some jeans? Which I'm always down for. Like, if anyone if anyone tells me that, even if it's like late at a bar, I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's like your, it's your candy. Like a stranger could just be like, "Hey, I have a I have a van full of jeans. You should come check them out." I'd fall for this too. Yeah, I think I would too. To be, t- I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that have a van full of jeans. They t- they're mostly nice people. Okay, well, what? Why didn't you buy anything? Yeah, I feel like there was yeah serendipitous. The the fit wasn't good on them. It was like they had, there was a couple black pairs of five hundred ones. There was like a uh, orange tab, like boot cut that I wasn't ready to pull the trigger on. Um, and there was a pair of warehouse jeans that he had that uh, I thought like that was the one I was closest to like buying. They were maybe like 15 years old pair of warehouse. But the uh, the hem on them, they were hem too short. They were like two inches too short. They were above the ankle. I could maybe try to make it work. but. Uh, in the past, I had a pair of LVCs that they sent me, like, I don't know, eight years ago, and they sent me, like, a 32-inch inseam, which, like, in a pair of 501 shrink to fits a 32-inch inseam on LVC, it's going to shrink up too much. And I, I, you would think that the LVC rep would know this, but, uh, so it was too short, so just what I did is I just, like, unstitched the hem and unrolled it and got, like, an extra inch and a half out of that. But the hem on these warehouses was very strange. It was like they chopped off the hem and they like opened it up and then they like hemmed it and then they took like the roping part of it and they like sandwiched it over the raw hem and then stitched around it. So it was like this, you know, piece of fabric that wasn't part of the jean anymore except for that stitch. So it wouldn't work. Didn't buy the jeans. This is another uh, another episode of David almost bought something and then didn't. You did buy new jeans though a couple weeks, right? My memory's not failing me. A couple months ago, I did. I'm wearing them right now. Okay. Those are the black ones that I thought were going to be too slim, but they ended up stretching out and they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I like them. So you almost bought two pairs. You would have had two pairs in the rotation if you had gone through with this. Oh, yeah. I mean, three. Three even. That's like a, that's like a, a level of excess I feel like you're unfamiliar with. True. I mean, like that is one of the the simple pleasures of being a one gene person is like you can just leave your belt in the pants, you can leave your wallet, you can leave your keys. And then in the morning, you just put them on and you go, you're good to go. Everything's already in the pockets. I mean, I guess it's convenient. You having two pairs of jeans, like a 12 car, 12 car garage, but you only got six car situation. Like that's like, that's your version of that. 12 car garage, but six cars. Stay into the 21 Savage archive. Yeah, I do have a very small closet. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Mostly full of linens. Like like bed sheets and shit? And towels? Yeah, yeah, yeah bed sheets, towels, uh, duvets. It's got cold now, so I brought out my, my down, like, uh, down comforter. Very happy about that. 
That is a nice feeling when you get to swap over the the bed stuffs. Oh yeah, and just like sleeping under weight. Weight is good. This is like I, I tried the weighted blanket thing once. It wasn't for me. But like having some like significant like weight on top of you while you're sleeping, like rather than just like a top sheet, which is what it's been here for I don't know, the last like four or five months. Is like I keep my I have AC, but I keep it at eighty three degrees because because you know me. <laughs> you like to inflict self punishment. <laughs> you know me. It's just like why? Why like if I lived with other people or if I had pets or something, I would probably keep it a little bit cooler, but it's just like ah, I'm not why sure. Turn it on? Well it does. It comes on if it gets hotter than eighty three degrees. It's eighty four <laughs> degrees, knocks it back down. Eighty three is like what you've deemed like you're like, this is okay. Eighty four yeah. is like where you've hit the impasse. You're like, this is un- intolerable. So let's say you're coming back from Red Lobster and you got company. Are you going to turn it down a little bit on a hot night? <laughs> I might. <laughs> I keep the window. I keep all the windows open. Like um, in my sweat box. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Although then it'd be really obvious because then I have to go up to the thermostat and start punching the button of like, oh, I've got company. <laughs> no one's ever complained before, though. It's a hot situation all around. <laughs> um, I do. I think that it, it's a great it's a great pleasure in the summer if you live somewhere that cools off where it's not humid and you can turn off the AC and open all the windows. That's a great feeling. Yeah, summer I nights. mean, as long as you got that, that air going, it's like a convection oven. You know, like you can get away with it as long as the airflow is good. As long as a hot air, like a. All right, we're gonna. I'm sorry. I, I, ta- I tapped out of that one. But, anyways, I'm glad it's cool. I'm glad it's cool. And I have my LL Bean down comforter that I, I spent like the, the $250 on like 10 years ago and still use. Do not mm-hmm. have a duvet cover. This is really like. Uh, <laughs> something that. I don't know. I feel like I'm. Have I'm you like considered one? Are you, are, are you waiting for the right moment? Are you Maybe. like are you are you duvet cover hesitant? But you can't just doing like, your research it, you over can't there. Wash it down comforter. You can't like push that in the the washing machine. It'll you get all like clumped the... and torn up. You, you do you have one and do you wash it in the washing machine? I'm not gonna lie. I have no idea. Like I have no idea what the contents of my comforter are. Like it's just like I have a just comforter. Shredded newspapers. Could be. I don't know, man. <laughs> I have a comforter that I, I wash the cover and then I just the the I hope that nothing has seeped into the, 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 the yeah. The see, I don't have the cover. <laughs> no, I wonder. I've been going raw since I had this cup since I had this comforter, which oh, is why brother. I always feel like I should is get a down? I should get a duvet cover. It is down. <laughs> so you <laughs> so you bleach. I'm, I'm going to do. A, you're, I'm calling it back. You bleach the rest of your shit, but you're just like the comforter stays <laughs> comforter stays crispy. Like, well, I've got two layers between that. I've got the sheet, then I've got the blanket, and then I've got the comforter. You can't be held responsible for what you're like, like the contact you're making when you're asleep. Like, if you're asleep, you can be throwing that top sheet wherever. You don't know. What Basically, happens when you sleep? Oh, it always ends up at the bottom of the bed at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I wash my comforter too, though. Like, I don't. Yeah, I wash do? them both. Like, this. Yeah, there's the cover that zips off. I've to wash my comforter. Just wash it. Like, there's no no tre- no trepidation. <laughs> so 
someone's like ending a tough day at work and they they put this on to commute home <laughs> like what the fuck are these idiots doing <laughs> sorry if we just made your day worse Welcome back to Blowout. It's me, David, here with Albert and Reed, as usual. How are we all doing? We're hanging in there. Doing well. We are hanging in there, because it's October, which is just the worst month. Um, we, we don't need to get into that, but it also means that Halloween is just a couple weeks away. Probably less by the time that you hear this, but uh, I don't know if you've heard... But Americans are poised to spend over $10 billion on Halloween this year, which is the biggest amount of money ever spent on Halloween in history. Congratulations, we did it. I had not, I had not heard this. Uh, what, do they have a reason as to why? Is it just because there's more of us than there's ever been? Or is, like, is, are we like, is there a particular reason why we're going to be going nuts this year? I think it's a combo of things of like everything got more expensive because like everything is uh, shipping problems. We can't get our Kit Kats over from like Taiwan or whatever. Um, but also it's a thing of like nobody got to do Halloween really last year, kind of sort of maybe. Mm-hmm. And then people are going a little bit more nuts this time around. Um, but yeah, it, it never crossed the 10 billion mark of projection for Halloween spending, which we'll, we'll see whether the, the forecast comes into it. But yeah, uh, 3.3 billion of that is expected to be spent on Halloween costumes, which there is a, uh, a piece here from Alyssa Hardy talking about how, uh, majority of those costumes are cheap vinyl and polyester that end up in landfills like pretty much immediately after you buy them. Um, that are never biodegradable except for polyester, which uh, spread like shreds up and enters our water supply pretty well. So, in lieu <laughs> of visiting, right side there, <laughs> yeah, in lieu of visiting spirit Halloween and you know making more uh, polyester for us to drink and fish to eat, I thought we could recount some of our favorite Halloween costumes of years past and uh, how you can reproduce them without necessarily going and buying a polyester or vinyl thing from spirit halloween bag with like a picture of a very sad person on the front of it for me i guess i can kick it off here but uh the the classic for me that i've done more than once uh i will admit is the the quint from jaws because like i literally made the hat because i couldn't go as quint like six years ago because i couldn't find the right hat so made a bunch of hats we still have like a couple dozen of them available if you go to shop.heddles.com, you can pick up a hat. But the, the, the outfit is not too difficult if you are a, a Heddles, like, uh, cinematic universe person. That you just need some, like, white vans or keds, some, like, black pants, chambray shirt, indigo. Like, uh, all of M51 is the traditional one, but you can get away with probably any field jacket. Um, mustache or sideburns if you got them or you can maybe go get some fake ones just the hat and the beer can you're good to go like you've, you, you've nailed it other costumes that I've done in the past that I feel I can reuse things is uh, a couple years ago I went as Gallagher the uh, the 80s like comedian that, that uh, smashed watermelons with a hammer if uh, 
Reed, I know who I know that you're probably familiar with Gallagher. Like Albert, I'm getting some strange looks from you. Of <laughs> what is what is yes. a Gallagher? This is not resonating, unfortunately. Only a couple people got it. He has to shave the beard for it, but the mustache can stay. That, I did hair, do that. The, the hair goes wild. I did do that. Um, Were you breaking fruit? So I had like a striped T-shirt and I had suspenders, like the red suspenders. I shaved, so I still had the mustache. I had a beret and I had a mallet and I had like a pocket full of watermelon Jolly Ranchers that I would smash like on the floor. Okay. I like this. People no, like but no real fruit. No real fruit. I mean, like this wasn't my people... party that I was at. Yeah, for this Halloween, like I, I feel like people would not have appreciated it if I brought like an apple or something and just like smashed it in their kitchen. And you got to commit to the bit, you know, I felt like I was doing a good like uh, diplomatic, like smashing a Jolly Rancher. Because like okay. that's already wrapped up and you could eat the Jolly Rancher afterwards. Mm, snort it. I was also in Arrested Development Tobias Blue Man another year, which like. This this was a, a little bit dated. I think maybe now it was like before its time at this point. This was a college thing that I did it to tag along with a few friends that went as the Blue Man group. And like they weren't into Arrested Development. And I was like, oh, I can be Tobias Blue Man. And they were like, okay, I don't know this show. This is kind of weird. But they were very disappointed when I got more attention than they did for their, their Blue Man group act rather than me being... Uh, Wearing cutoffs and Birkenstocks and like a cardigan and a bald cap. Yeah, you you have any like uh, Hall of Fame Halloween costumes that you've you've done that hopefully don't require us drinking polyester? I was never like the best at it. There was a in college we had like a Tweety and Sylvester like these big huge costumes at the house I lived at that just like were like heirloom costumes. They were they were costumes. They were like adult sized like with the big like mascot head. Yeah, the big the big head you like your head came out the neck um situation like it wasn't like your head was inside the head like your head your face was inside the neck and you just like sort of looked at you had the big head above you so me and my buddy were tweeting sylvester for years um would always get split up like an hour into the night in like invariably so there would just be like one of us at one party and another one at another um getting asked where the other one was the entire time by people we didn't know Mm. um one year i think i went is 1994 where I just had like a Mighty Ducks jacket because D2 came out in 94 mm-hmm. underneath a suit because Pulp Fiction did also. Like it wasn't much. It was just, it was mostly just to say I was the year um, and I didn't have anything to do that year. Um, <clears throat> I was a referee one year, but I think that was probably polyester. Yeah, those, those shiny black and white shirts, they, they, they do look very. It was, a buddy's, it was a buddy's footlocker uniform that I was wearing that time uh and just some black pants like it was all it was all found goods uh thrown together hastily see that's the most uh, environmentally friendly costume yeah i was throwing flags at people like all night you have a whistle calling yeah i was calling penalties like yeah for the entire night i, I don't think people like that one like i think the people who are on my side liked it but i feel like people who got called penalty like or got penalties called for, on for them probably fouls. weren't a fan yeah i mean yeah, mostly, but also just like if I felt like it, just sort of throw a flag in their direction. My my parents never let as a kid from when I was a kid, they would never let me get like a, a a costume from the store. They were really big on going. And when I was growing up, there were so many good like huge 
thrift stores in LA. There's this place called Aardvarks in Pasadena that was just like, every, like it was so good. Just like a, it was, I mean, I was a kid, so it was, but it was enormous and it was just like, you could get like, and it, it was, I don't know like if it would survive in the modern era of kind of more serious, you know, thrifting and vintage, but everything was great for a costume. And one year I was, I was really into uh, <laughs> World War II history. So I was an American soldier one year. I was like a, p- a paratrooper one year, like middle school or something. So I had all that stuff. And once as a kid in elementary school, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a stormtrooper from Star Wars. And my dad made the armor for me. And that was really, really cool. like out of cardboard or like uh, you have a injection yeah. molder at the, 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 the Muskies family home. No, yeah, it was out of cardboard. I had like a, you know, like the, there's like a black, you know, bodysuit kind of, and then he like painted all the panels white and then like oh, that's put awesome. them on to me. Yeah, that was really cool. And then I had, I always had like a long kind of seventies kind of bowl cut always as a kid. So when I got too hot from the, the mask, I took it off and people were like, Oh, you're, you're Luke Skywalker under there. That's cool. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> uh, but those are my best. I mean, it was more fun as a kid. I, I, uh, I don't know. As an adult, I always struggle with Halloween. I feel like I don't, yeah, I never really know what I want to dress as. And then, and then uh, I remember in college, I did a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with a friend, but likewise, we got split up early in the night. And I just lost track of him. And then I just looked like old Indiana Jones. I was Butch Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the problem with doing the buddy costumes instead of like the significant other costume. Cause like it's harder to get split up if, if you're like with yeah. you're like you know like your partner or whatever but like if you're with your friend it's just like i don't know i'm gonna go to this party then you realize halfway through that your costume doesn't either doesn't make sense or is gonna inspire a lot more questions mm-hmm. uh without the second person like where's the pepper shaker what are you doing here yeah <laughs> that's that's exactly that's i mean yeah i feel like and then oh and then in high school um my my friend tim and i did um for because our our high school was like there was it was i went to an arts high school and like it was really big to wear your costumes all day at school and uh we we did like the uh the like 60s batman like the adam west burt ward batman and we like Mm. just like made the costumes just out of like scraps and shit we found at like uh thrift stores and stuff and it looked it was so good because it looked so bad you know um really rough hewn that was a good one too Nice. It's a lot of hours to be in a costume. Yeah, it is. I mean, but you know, not much more than like uh, school days. What, out, like I six guess. hours. This is about a. It's a good night yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. I thought, yeah. I thought I thought it was eight for some reason, but then I just realized that's less than work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Like if you're in a different class than your Batman, and you're just in your yellow tights. <laughs> what's your like? What's your stance on wearing costumes to work? Oh, well, if I had a, <laughs> if I had a, if I had a job where I could go anywhere, I might, I might, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to be didn't here just go home. into a shared workspace. Like, <laughs> 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 does, does your job do that? No, no. And I, I haven't seen it happen and I can't imagine a world that I would voluntarily partake just cause I'm, it's not me, but, uh, I was just curious if. If you were like, I'm going to wear my costume into the office. I guess this is the office now, though. Mm. We're all sitting in our office. Just put it on in the morning on Halloween. Uh. Really get into it. 
<laughs> I think I might do Joe Dirt this year. That like I finally got a uh, Life's a Garden Dig It shirt, and then I like cut off the sleeve to make a mask out of it for her guide like last year. <laughs> but like that shirt with the sleeves cut off is only more Joe Dirt appropriate. And I feel like I have enough facial hair and like head hair to work with to make that happen. Are you gonna like just style it in a mullet? Or are you gonna just are you gonna go full bore and, and commit to this thing? Well, the Joe Dirt mullet isn't necessarily a cut mullet. It's one that is like styled and like like uh like combed back and like with pins and stuff. Yeah, but I don't think that's an out of the box situation. Like I think you gotta cut it at least a little bit to I think I can make it work. I'm I'm curious to see. I like this. Yeah. Man, if if either of you guys lived over here, we could do uh we could do uh the tremors the tremors guys. <laughs> the tremors guys. We could. <laughs> have a you have to have like a worm prop or something to <laughs> help people understand who you are. Just like a little note card has the description of the film mm-hmm. on one side, a picture of the guys in the back seeing like, yeah, we did do it right. Tremors what? 1990 director. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fred Ward. <sighs> Yeah, I don't have any, I don't really have any ideas. I feel like, you know, now at this point in my life, I get to wear a costume every day if I want. And it's, uh, oh, which is a touching. beautiful thing. Yeah. And now I have to, uh, in the Halloween's one night, I have to do some bullshit that doesn't feel quite normal. I don't know. But any suggestions are, uh, are welcome. Another thing that, uh, Reed, you alerted me to that that's very, spooky scary is the end of the world but it's the end of entire world the scott sternberg brand not i don't know i i could have phrased that better reed take it away i was on instagram as as one is in 2021 um and there was like the the sentimental uh entire world post that like i feel like scott sternberg also dropped when band of outsiders closed like it had like the same tone, at least like visually and in the first like two lines before the dot, dot, dot. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, and yeah, it looks like entire world, the brand that like inspired the New York Times article uh, titled uh, Sweatpants. Extremely long New York Times article. Yeah, it was called Sweatpants Forever, how the fashion industry collapsed uh, with a pair of entire world sweats as like the hero image. Um, entire world is no more. Unfortunately, they make good stuff. I like their stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a sweater. I think I espoused the sweater's uh, virtues on this podcast at some point. Multiple times. Multiple times. There we go. What was Entire World? I didn't know that they existed. So it was this Scott Sternberg who started Band of Outsiders for those like hashtag menswear heads out there. The Shrunken Shirt. It was like started as a Thai company, but I like their stuff. It was cool. Uh, it was of the time. What was it? Band of Outsiders. I like I've heard the name, but what was what do they do? It was like a, I mean, it was like a upper scale, not like yeah, mid upscale like men, men's preppy, like early twenty tens. Uh, like they did the thing where they stitched the box pleat like all the way down the back of the shirt. Yeah, and like they did. Um, if you saw like a fun, vibrantly colored shoot with like a cast member from Parks and Rec or one of the other NBC shows at some point, they were probably like styled in some band of outsiders in some capacity. They did like, it was like a, it was all shrunken stuff, but not like Tom Brown shrunken. Yeah. There were a lot of uh, childish Gambino shout outs to band of outsiders. 
Yeah. Um, usually fun colors, like that type of thing, but that got crazy overextended, uh, like injected with cash and then collapsed in, I don't know, like 2015. I could be 2016. Yeah, they started in there. like 2009 or something and went until then. Yeah. He started with ties and then like, yeah, they really they ended popped up having in like 2011, 2012 men's and women's wear had like a flagship in some or the village or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he started this company called Entire World that was like basically just it was like well priced basics, uh, easy design, super functional, uh, well made. That whole that whole thing. I don't remember where production was. I don't think it was like a made in the USA endeavor. Um, but it was just like we are taking a lot of time on the things that people wear all the time. Was sort of the idea. Um, and it was good stuff. It was like I think the sweaters were like one hundred twenty five. The sweatpants were like 80 bucks but they were really good sweatpants um that kind of deal and apparently they were trying to get a whole bunch of money for something and without that money they uh they were no more so now they've changed their name to the underworld on their website and they're selling through some of their stuff so if you're a fan of entire world you can get some good deals i was wondering if if you guys do think that like maybe like the work from home clothes boom that everyone like was in was very heavily invested in over the past 18 months not that like we're not working from home but now that we're not exclusively in like jersey knit shit do you think that uh like sort of the emphasis on on those types of things is going to bite anyone and not that it bit entire world to be totally honest that was like their entire bread and butter they were like the pandemic was like i mean probably in some capacity saved them for a little longer if they were that dire i have no that's all speculation i mean yeah and any brand that's like predicated on like because we hear this every so often where you know even before the pandemic like yeah you know this is killing office wear this is killing formal attire you know and i think there's only so you can only ride that buzz for so long just you know i feel like sweats are are an entry level product, you know, where you can show people what you can do, but you have to, you have to push through that and like have something else to, to offer people. I feel like, I guess, you know, I've heard of the name band of outsiders before. I think it just, it kind of missed me like where I, what it missed my understanding of and involvement in fashion and clothes and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. There's something about the, like the brand that's all about like, you know, we're just about reinventing sweatpants or we're just, you know, that always kind of, it's like, okay, sure. I mean, what, and do then you think the sweatpant market should not be disrupted, Albert. <laughs> I feel like it sat back on its high horse for far too long. <laughs> I gave, I gave a quote in GQ about this, like six years, just being like, there's like only so many problems you can solve in the sweatpant game. Like, yeah. it's just like, like at some point, like all these Kickstarters are like, we made the perfect hoodie. It's like, cause it can store like six tablets. Like who gives a sh- Like, why is that oh, the perfect hoodie? You know, that. like you remember yeah. that? Like, you can put your entire life in this hoodie. It's like, did you ask the question if anyone wanted to do that? Mm-hmm. Or like, were you right. just like, we wanted to just take the backpack and like wrap it around you like a flak jacket. It's got kind of untuck it energy, you know, remember that. Yeah, solving the problem no one thought they had. It's like, they're like, these shirts are designed to be untucked. It's like, people were just untucking their shirts. Like, no one was like, man, they look terrible. It's like, if you had a long shirt, like, that was on you. You know, it's like, I don't even, yeah, that one, I, I have a whole untuck it thing. But yeah, it's like, 
a lot of these ones, entire world though, in a weird way was different just because I felt like they weren't necessarily trying to solve a problem. Like they weren't like we created the perfect sweatpants. They were just like, here, look at our really good sweatpants. And they were like, they were like, you can just sort of like, if you decide that sweatpants like should or could be good, then they're for you. Like my, my favorite pair of sweatpants, I bought it like models before I realized Mm -hmm. that the models person wasn't great. Um, they're like Uniline or something and they're great. And then I have a couple pairs from Save Khaki. Um, and they do make it into public because like, that's just the way it works. You know? So it's like, theoretically I should be thinking about more, like more about the sweatpants, but like there is also something about sweatpants where it's like when we went through that whole, like sweatpants are going to be leggings too, or like have like moto knees everywhere. Like, Oh God, I remember that. That's a, that's a thing that I blacked out. (laughs) We're still there to be totally honest. Like that's still happening. But like, that was like one of those things where I was like, I don't know, man. Like there's something about sweatpants. That's like supposed to be like, there should be some shame to them. Yeah. There's some, yeah. Maybe like, if not shame, just sort of being like, yes, I'm wearing sweatpants. And you know, like it's like, but like, this is like sort of like that rule gatekeeping bullshit at the same time where it's also just like, I don't know, man. Like, I also used to tell people to buy $250 hoodies because they'd wear a hoodie every day yeah. and to not buy a $1,600 tux. Cause they'd wear it twice a year, like rent that shit and wear the hoodie or buy the hoodie was what I used to always say. And, and, you know, like I guess the entire world was sort of solving for that. Um, yeah. I'm like curious to see like if, if John Elliott, like or, or those other sort of like s- sweat predicated brands, I mean, I know reigning champ or I don't know. They just in trouble. Yeah, they closed the La Brea store too, I know. So it's like, I have no idea what they're even up to oh, at this point. They got but bought by curious. that Italian retailer, them, and like, I think all of, uh, is it CYC is the knitter? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that owned all of them, they got bought up, so they're all right. But yeah, it is a thing of like, is uh, Aritzia. Canadian, not Italian. <laughs> oh, thank you. They have an Italian name. <laughs> You're going name. off a name alone. <laughs> they, have, they have an Italian name, Aritzia. <laughs> classic canadian indigenous name as someone who's a fan of japanese fashion you should know that there's no, there there doesn't need to be any sort of tie yeah you know we could we could we could just we don't need to disrupt the sweatpant ever again we could just let it be and I, i'd be fine with that we live in a fast-paced world sometimes you just need to slow down and stop Heddles Plus, the new membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code Extra Blowout. Um, welcome back. It's product talk time. Oops, all weird, weird collabs edition. That uh, got quite a few weird collabs that came across the radar this uh, this past week. First one being uh, Blue Blue Japan. By Fruit of the Loom, which you we all know, Fruit of the Loom, the uh, classic T-shirt and knits brand that uh, the one that like entire world may have been trying to disrupt, but I guess failed because now they're working with Blue Blue Japan, the uh, indigo and like gradient dyed uh, Japanese brand that, uh, and they're doing some like two packs of T-shirts, which are very reasonably priced. I mean, this is a thing that like. 
like the listen up engineered garments in Sebago. If you use the quality of the lesser brand, it should be priced more like the lesser brand. Cause these are like 20 something dollars for a two pack. Stripey ones look really neat. I'm, I'm a fan of these. So do you think like, are they, sh- are they stocking these? Like, cause blue blue is like the Okada store, like, or it used to be the in-house brand, right? Like, are they stocking these at like blue, blue, retailers and shit like that or is it this is just like a buy it at fruit of the loom uh these are in Hinoya, so i think they're going out to uh different retailers i haven't seen them in the states yet but uh it looks like they're selling well because like since i found them they're sold through in a lot of styles uh, and sizes on Hinoya. but yeah the i love how they have this of like fruit of the loom and then below it it's like tagged america's favorite which like Neither of these brands, I think, can like justify themselves being called America's favorite. Fruit of the Loom is like a third tier like T-shirt brand, and Blue Blue Japan like maybe like point zero zero three percent of Americans even know what Blue Blue is. I like when the slow like Fruit of the Loom's slogan, at least on this packaging, is the original since eighteen fifty one, like implying that prior to eighteen fifty one there was a different the original. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, like before that, someone else take that claim and they're like, they came into town. They're like, no, we are the original now. Also an inherent contradiction in the name. Like they're called Fluid of the Loom and yet they are knit. They primarily make knitwear. Makes you think, makes you think. Maybe we'll do a uh, Fruit of the Loom Hanes War history one one day. The only thing I don't love about this is the blue, blue label on it. You know, I like the white and blue stripe, but I don't like the blue, blue label on the pocket. I think you could stitch rip. No, no, you can't. That's ironed on. Yeah, yeah you were stuck with that. And you got to rep your blue, blue pride or rip off the pocket. Yeah, I'd honestly prefer the fruit of the like a fruit of the loom logo on that. I don't know. Remember those old fruit of the loom ads where they had like all the people dressed up as fruit? Yes, I do. Better times, simpler times. Moving on in Weird Collabs Edition, we've got Nigel Caborn by Vans Vault. That uh, the whole host of things, they got shoes, they got like fleeces, they got sweatshirts with like impressionist paintings of surfers on them. This one's very strange in a way that I'm also into because it also is a thing that is priced more like Vans than it is like Nigel Caborn. 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 I don't know. I've met the guy a few times. I should know how to pronounce his name. Um, I like that they did his hat. Yeah, this is the hat. Whenever you see him, like he's always wearing that hat. It's like a baseball hat from 1903. Like Naplejoie would have worn it. Mm-hmm. It's like a take on like an A3 mechanic hat from World War II, and like, but like they distress it and screen print it and put like a whip stitch on the front on it. I like Nap Lejoie better. Could be LaJoy. Fair. Fair. I, I like the. Uh, uh, oh, those are all sold out of the like the slip on carpet green colorway. That it's just basically they made a pair of van slip-ons with looks like, I don't know, like a old library carpeting uh, as the upper. Um, 
Yeah, those ones are cool. Which, I, if I if I got these, I would be determined to like find a place that had carpeting like this. Um, which like might be like a I don't know a Presbyterian chapel made in the seventies. Um, and then just like stand on the carpet and look down and like you know be amused by the uh, the illusion of like my feet are the carpet and my carpet are the feet. Closing out weird collabs edition, which this one isn't so weird, but it's just the like William Gibson by Bucks Rickson's uh, Fishtail Parka, which like the only thing for the William Gibson collection. All respect to him, he did like do an interview for us. <laughs> um, but like it's just they take the thing that they usually make and then they make it in black. Because they need the excuse to do something not historically like accurate, and that's just like, oh, William Gibson imagined it, so therefore we're we're okay. It's cool. It's cool. Oh, that's like a that's a cool little like built in loophole. Oh yeah, very much. That is their loophole. The the Buzzrick. So right around the time or towards the end of my time at Self Edge, we carried the Buzzricks in. Uh, chinos which was a version of that high-waisted big you know army khaki uh, but it was done this great black color it was like one of the best pants we ever sold there i uh i'm a i'm a buzz rickson head till i die love the william gibson stuff too i have a buck uh, buzz rickson's fishtail in the green color that's too big for me that i just keep thinking like maybe i'll grow into it haven't one one day how, i can like how big I think I got the large and it's a thing of just like the um the like shoulder stitch on it like goes all the way down like it like um like halfway down my arm the like my hands are like almost totally covered I feel like a child wearing it like Bruce Willis and unbreakable yeah uh yeah very much I'm going around like trying to touch people and like uh, figure out their deepest darkest secrets premonitions um yeah, I mean, that was a one that I bought off of Rakuten like five years ago, thinking like, oh, this is like Buzz Rickson's Japanese sizing. Like, I should size up on this. I'm definitely a large. I was not. Not a large. That's almost always the case. So that's good. That's a good tip for people out in the audience not to do that. Yeah, don't don't be like me and don't have a Buzz Rickson's fishtail parka hanging in your closet. Just like. 10, 15 feet away from you as I talk this right now and I haven't worn it in a really long time. Uh, tantalizingly close. Tantalizingly close. But, uh, so far. All right. Well, that is that is all the uh, weird collabs roundup that I've got. If you have any that you want to add, uh, whether weird collab or not, speak now or forever hold your weirdness. <laughs> got a couple reader questions coming in here we got uh steven asks hey heddles i just discovered your great site i've looked all over the internet but can't find an answer to this question i'm getting my first pair of raw denim jeans but i'm worried about our cream colored couch any recommendations for which jeans to buy one wash lighter dyes specific brands or any specific routines after i purchase i know you get what you pay for but i'm mostly interested in the cheaper end of the spectrum thanks steven it's a good question. Thanks for thanks for sending us this. So these are reader questions. These people don't even know we have a podcast, do they? They might. <laughs> if they want to hear the answers, they'll find they'll out. They'll find out. They'll, we'll, I think I might respond to them and say, like, hey, we answered your question. You got to listen to the whole thing. I'm not giving you a time code. 
<laughs> okay. I mean, quick sidebar on Discord, we should have a section for the podcast so we can get all these questions all the time. But yeah. Um, yeah. But to Steven, I would say, you know, the crocking is kind of a natural part of the life cycle of a pair of jeans. And one wash is probably going to help. But at the start, there's just going to be blue dye happening. Maybe you sit on a towel for the first week or so, maybe if you're really paranoid about it. I don't know. What do you think? I was going to say, you can, I mean, if like, it's something you're like very concerned about, like just get a wash pair. Like something that's been washed a few times at least or rinsed and then run them through because like if that's like something you're seriously concerned about, David's giving me like, like eyes, like I just like suggested blending a live hamster or something <laughs> for lunch. But no, it's like, if Don't the couch, try it. if the couch is the priority, and like you're you're worried about crocking, then like yeah, like if you if you get a pair that's like you know like been rinsed a few times at least, then you know and you do it on your own, then that's your best that's your best bet. Or you could just like carry a towel with you everywhere. That seems fun. Mm. I'm gonna come in with David. The, the wild card answer here of just like don't worry about it. Like I've been wearing raw denim jeans for like twelve <laughs> years now. I have never had an issue with crocking. That like I. Uh, I've had a tan couch and a white couch that I never had any issues with. My car has like tan cloth seats in it. Never had any issues. Worn suede shoes all the time and suede boots. Never had any crocking. I know other people have issues with crocking, but like, I don't know, maybe just got that good crocking karma and I've never had an issue with it. I think that the problem, part of the problem is that when you first start, when you get into this, you're so like detail, you know, focused that people get to like, I think people with their first pair of raw denim are kind of psycho about like seeing the little fades and everything. So someone in that mindset might be more like examining their couch and like, oh, there's a hint of blue here. Now I see. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, I have definitely had like, you know, like I'll get like the inside of a, a white sorry, I'll get the inside of a white t-shirt kind of blue from like rubbing on new jeans. But then if I put it in the wash, it's fine. Or like, yeah, if sneakers get a little blue on the top of them, you can usually wipe it off or something like it. It doesn't just like stain permanently. Easy on, easy off. That being said, a guy came into union made one time after buying some jeans from us and was like, I fucked up my car seats. Like it's really bad and got super mad at us. Were they leather? Seats were just, yeah, they were just blue. Maybe leather's Um, different. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like I said, like it just, I think, depends on like the the couch. <laughs> How much do you love that couch? Because while David has good crocking luck, I can just tell you that, like, when when I would write product copy, I would be handling like fifteen, twenty pairs of jeans in a day. My hands would be blue by the end of the day, like for sure, mm-hmm. or like have like a blue tint to them. Like, and some crock more than others. Like some pairs just have like looser indigo than others like there's just like there's so much variation especially when you get into the nicer pairs like mm-hmm. the best way to avoid it is a rinse like a rinsed pair or you could do it on your own but like ultimately it's the same effect like, i guess i don't understand like like the i guess i'm wondering in my head i'm like what's the difference between having someone else rinse them for you or are you rinsing them when you buy them because you don't want to ruin like some you know valuable or at least to you furniture you know or anger the person that also owns the furniture with you 
Well, it's a control yeah. thing, I guess, if you're doing unsamphorized, which gets into our next question. I don't know if you have more to say on this, but Albert, I feel like I cut you off. Well, I just, yeah, yeah I think, I think it, I think this person will, uh, will survive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I, I hear you that like it, this raw denim can feel like a cult that you haze yourself into by like putting your pants in the freezer or walking into the ocean or like feeling like you have to baby them in such a strange way. It's like, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll work out. Everything will be fine. Moving on to another th- person that wants some gene advice. Paul asks, thank you for taking, uh, thank you guys for taking the time to read this. Since I think you all are the authority in all things denim, I had this question. Which stretches more, unsanforized or sanforized denim? For example, a pair of PBJs, unsanforized one wash, will stretch up to two sizes. Will the same happen for sanforized cone mills denim? I usually shoot for a measured waist of around 35 inches in most Japanese brands, and they open up just fine. Should I do the same for Raleigh denim cone mills jeans? Thanks so much for all you do, Paul. Thank you for all you do, Paul. Okay, there are a few different parts of this. I feel like the first part is he's, I think the difference in the denim he's describing is like open weave or tighter woven denim, you know, because that pure blue Japan denim is really loosely woven in comparison with like a cone denim. But I also like, I, do, I kind of object to the, the, the mindset of buying something with it having to stretch two sizes. You know, I don't, I would never ever do that. And I, I would, I would prefer something that's a little bit bigger that I can wash an, several times and shrink down to fit me and then have it be there than have to fight it too. Si- Cause denim can stretch so- in some cases that much, but like, should it? Like, should you really have to do that? I say no. That's me. Yeah, I kind of, I side with you on that one. I always would like when people are like, yeah, it's going to stretch. And I'm like, yeah, but it has to be like, wearable enough to stretch it like it can't be like so tight that it hurts and like you're like it's like you'll never wear it enough to stretch like whether that was like leather shoes belt like whatever it happened to be um because like all these things stretch um but that also like i mean yeah because it's like you're messing with the sort of like integrity of it either way right like if you're drying it and trying to shrink it out a little bit like you're breaking down the fibers but if you're just like stretching them out these things don't have like unlimited tensile fucking potential like at some point they're gonna snap or break or like just like weaken so i think it's kind of like yeah i don't know i think it's pick your poison mm-hmm. you do also like, wear where you like to control wear your pants like six sizes big yeah i'm like the wrong the wrong person to like always but i would always just sort of be like the notion of having to wear like i bought shoes too small before being like well maybe you know like i can get a half size out of them and it's like if it's killing your toe and they're not comfortable, like you're not going to get that half size out of them. Just like if it's like if you can't reach into your pockets on your jeans for like a month, you're not going to want to wear those jeans out. And, and I think another factor is that like when people would come into self-edge, they'd be like, well, I got a size 31 and now I'm a size 33. So I'm, I'll get a size 31 before. And it's like sometimes you buy a pair of jeans when you're a certain size and they can stretch enough to like accommodate your growth over the span of like years. But then you like don't want to jump backward into like a smaller size you were two years ago. Like, I think people aren't always thinking about like, what size was I at this point? You know, and I wear my jeans fairly fitted, like not super fitted, but like I like to have them fitted in the top block. And I always go up and I, in my experience, jeans always have more shrink than they do stretch. 
answer the the question on like samphorized versus unsamphorized. Like, I feel like samphorized do stretch more though because like samphorized unwashed will not stretch much at all. But once you wash them and you lose that like two inches in the waist, you're gonna get back like maybe one one and a half, and then you're gonna lose it again the next time you wash them. Um, samphorized stuff like you don't have as much wiggle room, literally and figuratively. I, I feel like so like I would not size down as much in uh samphorized cone mill if you're uh cone mills jean if you're trying to buy one from Raleigh Denim. Um but yeah, like if you want to wear them fitted, like usually the the guidance that I give people is like the top button should be a struggle, but it should be one that you can win if you want to like wear them that size. It's just like after a month, like it will be easy and they will feel good. But like if they still don't feel good after like a week it's not the pair for you. Yeah, we used to do the cowboy test at Union Made, where it's like once that struggle has been defeated, like can you put your thumbs in the front of the pants and not have them feel like they're losing circulation or like you're like putting a mark on yourself? You know, it's like if you could like sort of like if they would like fit in there tight but not uncomfortably, you were probably okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's like people people are afraid that like if my jeans are too big, I'll ruin them somehow. And it's like, that is impossible no, because just if they're pants, <laughs> yeah. Or you just put them in the washer and dryer and then they f- fit great. You mm-hmm. know, like it might just be, I, it's, I, I think Reed would agree with me, but again, I don't, you know, I think some of our people might not trust <laughs> this advice because, but don't I think trust Reed, my advice, <laughs> but I think that we, you can always wear a big pant. You can always belt a pair of pants. People tend to get bigger over the years too, um, and but you can't you can't wear a pant that's too small. You simply just can't. You you are spending money to buy some of the best made clothing in the world, and to be af- and if you are too afraid, if you feel like putting it in a machine cycle will irrevocably destroy it, then like you're not really getting the point. I feel like I think it's it's. It can stand as long as like as long as you don't leave it sitting at the bottom of the wash and let it crinkle up and whatever. I mean, within reason, um, I say, yeah, get something that fits about right and you can always make it smaller. All right. Well, that feels like a good place to wrap things up. Oh, uh, our phone number. If you don't want to write in and you want us to play your voice on the air. I don't know if Dick ever found uh, what's his name. From last week, I hope they did, but our phone number... Ron. Dick about Ron, yes. Uh, Our phone number, if you want to leave us a message like that, or of any other relevant content, is 720-675-7098. Any questions, comments, concerns? Reed, what is their email address? Blowout at heddles.com. Thank you. And uh, Albert, we got some new exciting things coming to the Heddles shop, do we not? We do. Um, we, we have a Solivair coming. We have four different styles. Um, Solivair is an incredible made in, uh, UK, uh, footwear brand. Um, if you recognize the sil- sil- silhouettes, that's because this is the factory that made Doc Martens before Doc Martens, um, left the UK and manufactured elsewhere. Um, they're really affordable for the quality. They're, pretty comfortable for a brand new leather shoe we're breaking ours in now mm-hmm. and um resolable and uh yeah those will be coming soon and um we also have some 
uh, rugby shirts coming in, but we, but those are a little farther out. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wait yeah, to get more details week on those. Week after. But, exactly. uh, yeah, just to tease you on those. And as always, all blowout listeners get 10% off the heddle shop with the code blowout. But, mm-hmm. uh, thank you very much for joining us and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>